Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Thousands of migrants have faced serious challenges navigating new lives in Chicago. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Groups of asylum seekers arrived here after being bused from the southern border with little or no knowledge of where they would sleep, who would help them, or how they could make a living. Add to that being in a new country, away from family and friends, and in many cases, learning a new language. The stress is piling up with few mental health resources to support them. To understand these issues, we turn to Elvia Malagon. She reports on social justice, immigration, and income inequality for the Chicago Sun-Times. Elvia, when migrants were bused to Chicago, what did they have with them? Some of them just had literally whatever they had, maybe a backpack, maybe not even that. So very few belongings. Just the literally the clothes on their backs in a lot of cases. How much did they know about where they were going to stay or who was going to help them once they arrived here? So we know that for some of them, it's been a confusing process because they came to the U.S. to seek asylum. But then some of them, in once they arrived in Texas and went through that procedure, they were bused to various locations. Um, some of them we know have arrived here in Chicago. Others have arrived in New York. We know some of them went to Colorado, then came here. Um, some what a of, journey. Yeah, some of them have gone to New York, then Chicago. So it's really been a journey. Now, you recently reported on the struggle of one migrant who fled Venezuela. Tell us about what happened when she got here to Chicago. Yeah, so she arrived here um, with her sister, her brother, um, also her six-year-old daughter. And they originally had been had gone from Texas to New York. They decided to come to Chicago because they heard that there were more job opportunities here. They were living at one of the um, hotels that has been converted into a temporary shelter in the suburbs here in Cook County. Um, but as she was arriving here and kind of adjusting to life, trying to learn English, her sister noted that she quickly started to see signs that her mental health was really starting to deteriorate. And her sister was trying to grapple with how can I give my sister help while also trying to Mm. navigate living in an entirely new country. And her name was Rona Rosso. Rona so you, you say that Rona was able to find transportation for a mental health evaluation. Who helped her with that? So what we know is that at least twice in the month of November, um, the police were called to this specific location where they were staying at. And she was transported to um, a hospital. That's what I gleaned from um, some of the records and also what her sister and her sister's attorney told me. But was there a delay? Did it take some time for her to get that evaluation? Well, she was transported, but the something that the sister wanted more was more direct attention because she would be in the hospital, but then she would be released. And it was sort of confusing to her what the next steps were for her. Um, she was confused why her sister wasn't giving any kind of medication or if she needed medication or whatnot. So it sounds like her sister was really trying to figure out how mm-hmm. can I help my sister? And she just wasn't sure what to do. And the worst case scenario happened. 
Definitely, right? yeah. Tell us. Well, what we know is um, she was found dead in the hotel where she had been temporarily staying at, and the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office did declare it a suicide. Wow. We are talking about mental health care for migrants in Chicago. That's Elvia Malagon, who's a reporter with the Chicago Sun-Times. But joining the conversation now is UChicago's Amy Hilado. She's also the co-chair at the Coalition for Immigrant Mental Health. Welcome to Reset, Amy. Thank you for having me. You've been listening along to my chat here with Elvia. How common is Rona's story? Well, I will say when I think about the stories of residents who have no choice but to leave their home country and they take the difficult and dangerous journey to come to the United States, a lot of the symptoms we see, what we're hearing from frontline providers in the shelters and the hotels, is that they're encountering resident arrivals, migrant arrivals, who are sad, who are worried, they're overwhelmed, they're isolated. They talk about difficulty concentrating, uh, difficulty sleeping, um, an inability to stop thinking about past traumas they've experienced, an anger outburst, and difficulty being with others. These are typical stress and trauma responses. And what we know of the migrant arrival who died by suicide, there is a percentage of migrant arrivals who really do need specialized mental health care, like hospitalization and ongoing therapy. Talk more about the challenges that uh, Rona and other asylum seekers are are facing when attempting to access that mental health care that you so eloquently said that they need? What's difficult is that what we know is a problem, not just here in Chicago and Illinois, but nationally, is there there is insufficient beds in psychiatric units. Uh, We know that there is a limited number of bicultural, bilingual mental health providers locally and nationally. And when we think about the experiences of migrant arrivals, To have a mental health workforce that's tuned in to the specific needs and triggers of these arrivals is different. It's a different level of training. And this is where the coalition has really tried to step in Mm -hmm. and train the frontline providers who are in shelters and hotels to be able to identify the signs of distress and to be able to identify those red flags that would warrant emergency services such as suicide ideation and severe mental illness. Yeah, and another barrier being lack of transportation to, to seek those services and a mistrust of government agencies. Have you heard that in reporting as well, Elvia? Yeah, that's something that came up as I was trying to look at the issue sort of more wide scale is that oftentimes people are fleeing countries where there is deep mistrust of the government. They come here, they're unfamiliar with the laws of the U.S. And so there is that level of distrust. Um, One person I spoke to had a really great example where um, it was a parent and they were very worried that if the child didn't participate in Halloween activities, would something happen to them? Which maybe to us who live here, we kind of know, no, nothing's going to happen. Of course not. But to someone who has just arrived, has arrived from a country mm-hmm. where maybe there were more authoritative laws. It's, yeah, there's going to be some confusion. Like, there's how gonna seriously be some, do you take this Halloween thing? And, yeah, there's going to yeah. be worry and anxiety. So we know that because of that, there might be a deep level of mistrust and skepticism. There's also a great deal of stigma around the conversation of mental health. How do we talk about the symptoms? How do we normalize the symptoms? 
Some feel that if I talk about the things that worry about me, the things that are troubling me, the symptoms that are troubling me, is that going to get away or in the way of me getting immigration status? Is that going to get in the way of me being able to secure a job? Yeah. So these are all cumulative worries that migrant arrivals carry with them every single day. So right now, you know, post the, the death of, of Rona, um, the untimely death, what, so we're clear, what kind of resources are available to the asylum seekers right now, and how quickly can they access them? I think that the city and the state has become more organized around mental health because we've seen increasing distress in the shelters and hotels. That part of the work that the coalition has been doing is to train non-mental health frontline providers on the skills to support emotional wellness in their everyday interactions, as as well as implement a mental health crisis protocol to, again, think about what do the warning signs look like and to be able to route those folks to emergency services. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of conversations around the Chicago Department of Public Health, the Behavioral Health Team, IDHS's Division of Mental Health, and even community partners to be able to volunteer licensed mental health professionals who can really respond here and now in those moments when referrals come from shelters and hotels. We are on active alert because we know we need help in supporting these new arrivals as they adjust to life in a new city. LVS state government officials, they greenlit some $20 million in funds to, um, to Chicago, right? This is in light of the influx of migrants. Now, it's less than half of what Mayor Lightfoot had actually asked for, as we know. So tell us what she was hoping to spend the money on. Well, we know that, um, well, what the city told me was that they're kind of scrambling just to provide the basics, shelter, food, clothing, some of those basic um, necessities. But I think the state is trying to find some kind of resources to address this. I know um, what the Illinois Department of Human Services said was that, um, in addition to everything Amy said, was that they're talking to various schools that have social work type of programs to see if there's like a collaboration that could happen on that end to provide more resources for these shelters. Because we know that people are still arriving every day. And as you mentioned, Amy, your group, the Coalition for Immigrant Mental Health, you've been holding these uh, training sessions with with, uh, shelter worker, migrant shelter workers on how to better support these people. Give us more of an insight as to what the trainings look like. Absolutely. And so the coalition, in partnership with Lurie Children's Hospital and my academic home at the University of Chicago Crown Family School, we've come together get together to launch a capacity building effort. Um, this is using a community mental health knowledge um, model. I'm sorry, community mental health model to train frontline workers on how to recognize and normalize trauma and stress responses, how to promote adaptive coping. Uh, how to model strategies for emotional regulation, all things that all arrivals need as they Mm -hmm. navigate the uncertainty. How to keep a job in the U.S. Absolutely. That's a big one, right? How to enroll your your kids Kids in in public schools. All the details of what it takes to adjust to life in a new country and how to, again, when I think about what we're doing, this capacity building effort, it really is from a prevention and mental health promotion standpoint as your first line of support. 
to start recognizing the needs, talking about emotional wellness, removing the stigma of talking about it, and then creating a sense of community and belonging and care for them. Mm-hmm. What it also does is, is it helps us narrow the number of people who are going to need specialized mental health care um, to be able to identify those needs quickly and then route them accordingly. So far, we've trained 81 frontline professionals from six city shelters, 12 IDHS welcoming centers and hotels, and a host of seven programs funded by the Legal Prevention Fund, the community navigators that are doing Know Your Rights trainings. So we are getting out into the community, training those frontline providers, and the coalition is also offering ongoing technical assistance and emotional support to those frontline providers. We have volunteers who are mental health professionals who recognize one-time trainings are not enough. We need to hold these frontline providers to help problem-solve on the ground And that is the focus now. I know that we've received a number of asks from foundations to IDHS and CDPH to think about how do we train more on this capacity-building effort to get the knowledge in the people's hands who are doing the work. I'm so glad you have the volunteers now, though, that have that expertise to really help. So, Elvia, thinking back to to Rona, um, you talked with her sister about why officials didn't do more to help Rona access that urgent mental health uh, service. Do we have any other inkling as to why that process wasn't faster? And maybe what needs to happen to change that? I'm not really sure. And I think that's going to be hard to answer. But I think some of the things Amy has been talking about is trying to get at that. Sure. Um, I also know Nefer Rona's sister has retained an attorney and they're kind of exploring kind of looking at what could happen or next steps for them. Um, So possibly, I mean, I think right now we don't really know, but maybe in the future we will know. More answers, yeah. And unfortunately, she is no longer with us to to provide, you know, to to be the source. Um, Leave us with this, Amy. The one thing that Chicagoans listening now that, that we can do best to help the asylum seeker community today, what do they need most right now? Most of the arrivals, they came to our city, they came to our country because they were seeking to rebuild their lives with safety and dignity. What these arrivals need is to know that they are welcome, that they're safe, um, that they belong here, and they will access the resources that will help them contribute to our communities. Um, Knowing that Chicago is a welcoming city, knowing that we will stand by them and they are not alone in this process is going to make such a huge difference in their lives and how they see themselves contributing to our great city and our great state and country. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Amy Hilato is an assistant professor at UChicago's Crown Family School of Social Work Policy and Practice, also a co-chair at the Coalition for Immigrant Mental Health. And Elvia Malagon is a reporter with the Chicago Sun-Times. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. To stay up to date on what's happening with migrants in Chicago and all the important news stories in the Chicago area, subscribe to our podcast. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.